morning, Pompano. How you guys doing this morning? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, my name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us today. Today is an exciting day for us as a church. We're one church at, with, with multiple locations. And uh, today we're starting a brand new series called The Church God Sees, which I'm super pumped about uh, and, and excited to share with you some things in that. Secondly, today at four o'clock, uh, we are breaking ground on our first permanent facility for our Coconut Creek campus out in uh, Parkland, Florida, and we'd love to invite you out to be a part of that. We're going to have a great time. Uh, I'm sure they're going to talk some more about that at the end of service, but today we're beginning this series called The Church God Sees, and I believe that the church that God sees is different than what we probably perceive it as because when we think of church, we think of a, a building or a facility, but what we fail to realize a lot of times is that the church is us. We're the church. The church is people. And, and, and so when we start to realize that the church is people, it kind of changes everything. We might do a service in a building, but the church is really lived out in us every single day of our lives. And so over the next couple of weeks, as we talk in this series called The Church God Sees, we're going to be talking about some things that we as individuals being the church should embrace in our lives, and I think that if we're, if we're going to fully embody what Jesus intended for us all to be, there are some things that we should value in our life. And so today, I'm going to start off by telling you, when I was 18 years old, I was in New York City. I was in Times Square hanging out. I was there with uh, some friends, and I remember it was like one of my first really, really awkward, weird experiences uh, with, with church people. And... Uh, and so I was walking around in Times Square, and there was literally this guy up on a box, and it was myself and a, and a couple of my friends, and we were walking through Times Square, and this guy was up on a box, and he was yelling at us. And he was yelling at us, he was, he was going, y'all need to turn from your wicked ways, y'all are a bunch of sinners. Like, this dude didn't know anything about us. He just saw some teenage kids. I mean, granted, right there, you probably think there's some bad things going on when you see a group of teenage kids in, in New York City. Uh, but this guy just started yelling at us and telling us, man, we better turn or we're going to burn. And uh, we better change our wicked ways. And he started t saying all this stuff about us, didn't know me at all. Uh, and it was his way of evangelizing and telling people about Jesus. And, uh, and, and here's what I learned in that moment is there's a lot of people that, that genuine, genuinely, I think, deeply in their hearts, they love Jesus, but they're so uh, heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. I'm just being honest, like, because that didn't, that didn't attract me to Jesus at all. In fact, it, it kind of pushed me away from Jesus in life. And, and this is what I know is that I love Jesus passionately. And, and I think the majority of people, if they experienced Jesus, not rules, not religion, not a whole bunch of, uh, uh, of, of do's and don'ts, they would experience a life that I'm experiencing myself in life. And, and, and what happens is a lot of us have had bad experiences in that sort of manner, uh, you know, you're driving to the way to the ball game and you, and, you, and you see somebody with a sign, turn or burn, am I supposed to take a right or left? You know, which, like, wait, 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 which way am I supposed to go? You know, you don't know because they're, they're talking their own language and different things. And, and so uh, it's just this, this negative thing. And we've turned evangelism into this a terrible thing. 
And, and I think that every single Christ follower should have a passion for sharing their faith in a real and authentic way. In fact, there's a, there's a guy that's a mentor of mine. He said he gave a really, really great definition of evangelism. He said evangelism is simply one beggar telling another beggar where they can find bread. And I think about that in life as we're searching for things and we're searching and we're hungry for things. It's just helping people discover that place or that person that's going to fulfill the needs in their lives. And the, the person that's ultimately going to fulfill the void that's in their life is, is Jesus. And listen, if you came here today and you're our guest, man, thank you so much for, for coming to Coastal this morning. We love having you here as our guest. We hope you turn in your, your info card so we can bless some people in our community with some groceries and, and just do some cool things for people. And you're going to think today that all we want you to do is become a part of our religion or become a part of our church. And that's not really what we want for you at all. What we want more than anything for you today is for you to experience an authentic relationship with Jesus. Because when you experience a relationship with Jesus... It changes everything. You know, uh, I, I'm naturally, my wife and I, Shayla, where are you at? You're right there. Okay. Shayla and I, we, we are foodie people. Any other foodie people out there? Any foodies? Foodies? Okay. Like, I, we love food. Um, like, and, and particularly, I like, I like southern food. I'm like, man, give me like two pounds of butter. It makes everything better. Give me some breaded vegetables because that's what makes vegetables tasty. Like give me something, like put a whole bunch of lard in something because that just makes it, you know, there's just, it's just better that way. And so like, I love Southern food. And, um, I, has anybody heard of this restaurant called Yardbird? Anybody Yardbird? Any, a couple of Yardbird people. You guys have all gotten saved, I, I, I can tell. Um, but like Shayla and I's favorite restaurant is this restaurant called Yardbird. And uh, one of the reasons we love it so much, number one, it's southern cooking. So it's like fried chicken and, and uh, macaroni and cheese with like seven different layers of cheese. And they, they, they have like baked, like crunchy stuff on top of the macaroni and cheese. So when you bite into it, there's a little crunch to it. It makes everything better when there's a little bit of crunch. But, but the best part about Yardbird isn't the regular food while it's good. It's the dessert. Now, now, I have a theory when you go to this restaurant, you should start with dessert. Like, there's just some restaurants, like, it's just better to start with dessert. And they have this dessert there that is the most unbelievable dessert you've ever tasted in your life. It's, it's deep-fried Oreos, okay? Uh, and, and so let me tell you about these deep-fried Oreos, and then we'll pray, and we'll, we'll end church, okay? Um, and so, so they take Oreos, and they dip them in donut batter. And they deep fry them. When they come out of the deep fryer, they coat them with Rice Krispies. They drizzle chocolate over it. And they make a homemade Oreo ice cream that goes with it. And I'm telling you when, you, when you, when you cut into this Oreo and get a little bit of ice cream and you take that first bite, it's like this explosion of flavor in your mouth. Like, it is so awesome. Like, you will get up from the table, slap your mom, and then backhand her because it's that good. Like, it is amazing. Now, is anybody angry that I just told you about Yardbird? Only, only if you can't go there. Yeah, no, that's the only reason you... But the, the reason nobody gets mad is because I'm just telling you about an experience that I had that was unbelievable. Evangelism is simply the same thing. I have this experience with Jesus that is unbelievable that I want every other person to experience. 
have a friend that was telling me about their diet the other day. And uh, they're like, man, I've, I got on this diet. He's actually sitting in here. I saw him in here. He's like, man, there's this diet and this workout that if you do this, you work out like two hours an entire week. I'm like, you're smoking crack. He's like, no, I've lost eight pounds. He wasn't telling me that because he thinks I'm fat and I need to go on a diet. He was telling me that because he wants to help me out. He's found something that works for his life, and he just simply wants to share it. And evangelism is simply telling someone you love about someone else you love. Is it hot in here or is it just me? It's getting hot in here. So, okay, well, no more Nelly. Uh, so, so here's the thing. According to the scriptures, here's what we need to understand. Every single person that's been found by Christ, according to the scriptures, means that found people, people that have been found, have a responsibility to find people. If you've been found by Christ, it is your responsibility to find other people. And, and if you come from a church background, this might mess with your theology a little bit. Because if you encountered a relationship with God and he has transformed your life, your greatest concern in this world isn't about your life. It's about the people who have yet to experience that kind of life that you're living. That should be your greatest concern. And we should be concerned about the people that Jesus is most concerned about. And it's something that we believe that if we're going to be the church that God sees, that we've got to embrace the fact that found people find people. And unfortunately, the Great Commission that Jesus left us with of go ye into all the world and preach the gospel has become more like the great suggestion for a lot of our lives. Like if I have enough time or if I feel like it today or if it's convenient, then I'll go do that. And Jesus didn't give us a, 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 a great suggestion. He gave us a great commission. He said, this is something you need to go do. Why? Why do we need to do that? Because Jesus didn't live for people that were already found. He lived for those that were lost. That's why in Mark chapter 2, verse 17, he says, those who are well, they don't need a doctor. They don't need a physician. I came not for those who are well, but for those who are sick. And I've come to call the right, not the righteous, but the person that's jacked up in life. It's who I came for. And so we're going to dive into a passage of scripture in John chapter 1 today. And if you want to open your Bibles to John chapter 1, we're going to answer four questions for today. And if you're taking notes, the first one is this, when? Question is, is when? When did you meet Jesus? When did you encounter a relationship with God? When did you get saved? John chapter 1, verse 43, it says, the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, if you're taking notes today, which you all should be, because it just makes you pay attention more, there's two things I want you to uh, uh, circle in that passage. Uh, he found Philip, number one, circle, he found Philip. Number two, circle, follow me. Who found who in this passage? Jesus found Philip, right? Jesus found Philip. You want to know why Philip didn't find Jesus? Because he wasn't looking for him. You know what's interesting as a pastor? I, I hear people uh, make these two statements all the time and, and they're just crazy because they don't make any sense to me I, I people will come to me and go you know what tj i need to find myself be like you need to find yourself like like I, i've never met a single person that has found themselves like i've never met somebody that they, they go you know what i was at walmart i was standing in a checkout line and i looked over and i saw me and i was like hey me what's up hey it's you i found you like nobody's ever done that and if they have they're smoking crack and get out of a relationship with them 
They're just crazy. Nobody's ever found themselves. Second thing I hear all the time is, is I need to find God. Listen, you can't find God because God has never moved. He's not lost. Like you never found God. In fact, I'll prove it to you through Scripture. In Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, it says this. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Not a very encouraging verse, is it? But it says in there, if you're a Christian, the reason you are a Christ follower is not because you went and found God. Because you have never been seeking him, which means the only reason you're a Christ follower is, is because God reached down from heaven and found you. He found you. And the Bible describes our condition before we are found as we were lost, broken, deprived. And so he found us. And if you've been found by Christ, then you know that you were jacked up before you were found by him. Most of us know how jacked up we were because when everybody else was in kindergarten uh, coloring on their piece of paper, you took that crayon and you tried to smoke it and then you went and you sniffed some glue and at the same time you were trying to get Barbie naked because you were a perv from the beginning and jacked up. Like you were messed up. We're all messed up. You know who is probably the, the ripest mission field today? It's, it's religious people. Because you've grown up with a, a form of God and you've gone through all the rituals and all the, the rules and you got baptized at three years old and, and, and you went to 47 VBS camps and you memorized scripture and you got a Bible with your name engraved on it and you know all the rules and all the regulations but you've never encountered a relationship with Jesus. And you ask somebody like that, like, oh, how long you've been saved? And they're like, man, well, I've always been saved. Really? You've always been saved? Like, I've never walked up to a married person and gone like, hey, how long have you been married? Oh, we've always been married. My question for you is, is when did you find Christ? Or when did you follow Jesus? Not talking about when you were five and they scared you with the demon skit into uh, saying a prayer. I'm saying, when did you have an encounter with a living God that changed your life? Because here's what salvation is. Salvation is you recognizing, here I am. I'm jacked up. I'm messed up. I, I'm, I, there's, and there's this distance. God is over there and there's this gap that's here that no matter how hard I try or how good I do, like, I can't close that gap. And I have this realization that the bridge between where I am and where God is was the cross of Jesus Christ. That he died on that cross and paid for my sins and paid for my shame and paid for my guilt, and paid for my screw-ups, and paid for my mess-ups, and rose three days later so I could have life, and I could have it more abundantly. And when I find him, he closes the gap between me and God so I can experience 
a relationship with Jesus. Not a bunch of rules, not a bunch of religion, but a relationship. And my hope for you today is, is before you leave here that you can answer the question of when did you find Jesus? Now, going back to the story, it, it, it says, uh, what did Jesus say to Philip? He said, follow me. Now, what's interesting is, is that in Jesus' day, uh, the, the, what Jesus would have been considered in that day would have been a rabbi. And every rabbi would have had people that were following him. They would have been called Talmids. And Talmids were people that were, were in a relationship with that rabbi, and they were trying to become like him. They wanted to look like him, talk like him, act like him. They wanted to, to be a disciple of him. And in and, and our day and context, Jesus is our rabbi, and what he is saying here to every single one of us is he's saying, hey, listen, come follow me. I want to know you. I want you to know me. I want you to walk with me. I want you to talk with me. I want you to understand me. I want you to know every single aspect of who I am so that when you go through life, when people see you, they see me because that is the ultimate goal of a Talmud is that they would be a reflection of the rabbi. And so the goal for every single one of us is, is when we experience a relationship with Jesus is that we would look more and more and more like him every single day. Second question is this, who? When, then who? Now, I, I am a proficient coffee drinker out there. And, and, and like, I like coffee. Any coffee drinkers out there, like excessive coffee drinkers, like you had four or five cups this morning already. Uh, am I the only one that did that? Okay. Uh, like I'm, I'm, I love coffee. I love drinking coffee. Um, I don't drink coffee because it calms me down. I drink coffee because it jacks me off. You know what I'm saying? Like I just, like I need some, I need some energy in life. I need some, I need some, some pick me up. And, and in fact, I remember this one time. One of our drummers, he normally drums over here. His name is Kent. Uh, he worked for this company called VPX. And one day he brought these energy drinks called Bang uh, to, to uh, our services uh, for the early setup crew. And I drank like five cups of coffee that morning. And I saw that energy drink. And I was like, oh, coffee? I'll chase it with an energy drink. Perfect. And I downed that thing. I was, I was um fire that day. I don't have any idea what I said, but I was going about 3,000 miles a minute. It was incredible. Uh, like caffeine showed up, okay? But you drink caffeine to be consumed by it. It, it picks you up in life. Well, what happens is, is when you experience Jesus, when, when you meet Jesus, two things hopefully will begin to happen in your life. One, that you'll start to develop the mind of Christ. He'll start consuming your mind, and so that means your mindset will change. And secondly, that you'll be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, because that's what he promises to every believer. And as those two things happen, what happens is, is our lives will start to be consumed by the thing that consumed Jesus' life. And if you look all throughout Scripture, the thing that Jesus was passionate about was people, and particularly people that were far from God. And so Philip was found by Jesus. And, and what's the first thing that Philip does in verse 44? It says, now Philip was from the B word, the city of Andrew and Philip, and Andrew and Peter, and Philip found Nathaniel. Underline that, circle that. Philip found Nathaniel. And the reason Philip found Nathaniel is because found people find people. Um, and it says, and said to him, We have found him, talking about Jesus, of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. It says, Jesus found Philip, and then Philip 
found Nathaniel. Now, the, here's the, the who question that we all have to answer. Who do you know that needs a relationship with Jesus? Who do you know that needs a relationship with Jesus? Because we're put here on this planet not to make much of ourselves, but, but to make much of him. That's what we're here for. We're here to make Jesus more evident on this world. And listen, as, as a pastor, I get so frustrated when people come to me, and, and I get this all the time, like, Pastor TJ, man, will you, will you pray for me? I'm the only Christian at my job, and it's so oppressive there. And I'm like, why am I going to pray for you? Do you realize that God put you in that position to be the only Christian at your work so you can be a light in a dark place? I'm not going to pray for you that you'll go find another job. I'm going to pray that you use your influence in that community to find some people who need Jesus. Oh man, I need to take my kids out of public school. It's just so wicked there. No, your kids are supposed to be light in the public school. No, let's go surround them with everybody that's just like them so they never have to defend their faith or be passionate about Jesus. Ooh, got quiet in here. Man, we got to embrace the fact that, man, we've got something that needs to be brought to those people. It is a thing that will change their life. Because they think everything else is going to change their life. I know this is true. When I was a kid, I, I, I remember the first gaming system that I had. I had an Atari. Anybody remember the Ataris? Like, which button do you press? The red one. <laughs> it's, the only, it's the only button there was. And then <laughs> a couple years later, I remember getting my first Nintendo Anybody remember the Nintendo Mike Tyson's Punch-Out? Man, I, I, man, I loved me some Nintendo, some Techno Bowl, but then all of a sudden, uh, the Sega Genesis came out. You guys remember Sega Genesis, Sonic the Hedgehog, Sega! You know, just like, just like that was the jam that came out. Then, then the, then the uh, uh, Sony PlayStation came out. Oh, my goodness. We went from blowing out the games <laughs> to all of a sudden we could put in a disc. And now it's like Sony PlayStation 479,288, you know, because, because no matter which one of those gaming systems we got, we always wanted more. And the same thing is true in people's lives. No matter what they get in their life, no matter how many relationships they have, no matter how much money they make, no matter how, how, how great their career is, none of that is going to satisfy the deep desire of their heart. The only thing that's going to desire, the void that's inside of them is a relationship with Jesus. And it's the very thing that we have. Who do you know that needs a relationship with Jesus? Because here's the deal. Every person on the face of this earth is going to end up somewhere. It's going to be heaven or it's going to be hell. There is no like, uh, I'll take option C. There is no option C. It's either heaven or hell. So who do you know that needs Jesus? Third question, how? How? I found that one of the most frustrating things on this earth is to tell people to do something, but not tell them how to do it. Anybody been frustrated with something like that? I remember we, we had a, a guy on our staff. His name was Jeremy. And uh, he was, he was a, a worship leader at a Coconut Creek campus for a long time. And we went to Colorado together, and, uh, and, and we were trying to save money. And, and so we were, we were rooming together in this room, and I went to bed first. And, and in the middle of the night, I was awoken to this excruciating sound. It sounded kind of like a, like a bear in heat or something. I don't really know what it was. It was like... <laughs> 
And it was Jeremy snoring, and I was like, what in the world? It like startled me out of, like, you know when you're in that deep REM sleep and something like that startles you, you're like, what in the world is going on? And I remember, I got out of bed, and I walked over to his bed, and I punched him. And, uh, and he's like, why did you hit me? And I said, dude, you better stop snoring. He's like, how am I supposed to do that? I said, I don't know, but you better stop. I feel like so many times we as a church have told you, man, go tell people about Jesus. Well, how do I do that? Go tell people about Jesus. That's what we've done as the church, you know, and we haven't really equipped you or given you a great model or plan or way to do that. And so I, I hope that this text can, can help you a little bit about it because it's awesome to talk about sharing something you love with someone you love. But if we don't tell you how to do that, then that isn't very helpful in life. And so in verse 46, it says, Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. Now, this is kind of depressing because uh, Philip tells Nathanael about Jesus. And, and right away, Nathanael's like, man, uh, man, I don't know. Really? Nazareth? Like, he's skeptical from right from the beginning. Just like so many times when we share our faith with people and they, they have questions, all of a sudden, we get super discouraged because they don't, they don't just buy into it hook, line, and sinker right away. And I want you to know that, man, people's questions are okay. God's not scared of people's questions about him, and, and we shouldn't be scared of their questions either. In, in fact, I, love, I actually love Philip's approach to this because even the people that followed Jesus, when they saw Jesus die and rise again, they, they were still questioning. So Jesus isn't afraid of questions, but what does Philip say, say to Nathaniel? He says, why don't you just come and see? Listen, I don't have all the answers. I don't have this whole thing figured out. Listen, as your pastor, I don't have this whole thing figured out. Man, I'm figuring it out as I'm going as well. I don't have all the answers to every question. But listen, why don't you come and see Jesus, and we'll find out together. We'll discover it together. It's one of the reasons why we do church the way that we do. We try to create incredible weekend experiences where you can bring your friends that are far from God, and they can come into an environment where there's going to be some good music, there's going to be some really good-looking bald guy that's going to get up and talk about stuff, and, uh, and like hopefully Jesus is going to shine through that because that dude is sexy, and uh, like, I'm just kidding, he's, he's really not. Uh, and it's, it's going to transform some people's lives. It's one of the reasons why we hand you invite cards all the time. We say, listen, you invest in relationships with people. And we'll partner together to bring people into an environment where we'll turn a movie theater into a church. And we'll create an experience where people can meet a real and living God. Not rules, not religion. Where Jesus can show up and show off. And God will do something absolutely incredible. And one of the reasons, you know, I, I get accused, my wife accuses me of overhyping stuff. It's one of the reasons why I try to stay off social media a lot, because I will overhype everything. Like, I am the hype man. Like, this is going to be the best weekend ever. You want to know why I think every weekend is the best weekend ever? It's because every weekend somebody gives their life to Jesus Christ. And you know what? And I'm going to overhype everything because lives being transformed is worth hyping. The Bible says, Nathaniel... Philip told Nathanael, come and see. And then it says in verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. 
Nathaniel goes, how do you know me? And Jesus goes, man, I know everything about you. You know, and this is for somebody that's in here today. You walked in here today and you've thought to yourself, there's no way that Jesus would accept me. There's no way that Jesus would love me. He doesn't know what I've done. He doesn't know where I've been. He doesn't know what I've encountered in life. He doesn't know the people that I've hated on. He doesn't know how people have hated on me. There's no way that God would accept me. And I'm here to tell you today, Jesus goes, man, I know everything about you. And I invite you. I invite you into a relationship with me. And then in verse 49, it says, Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. He went from this place of skepticism of what good can come from Nazareth to like, Jesus, man, you're all that in a bag of chips. Like, you're what I want in life. How did that transformation happen? Happened by Jesus finding Philip and Philip bringing Nathanael to Jesus. See, a lot of times we think, man, I can change people. We can't change anybody. Some of y'all that are married, you've tried changing somebody. How's that worked out? It's not worked out at all. Why? Because you can't change anybody, but you know who can? Jesus. We need to stop trying to change people. We just need to let them get an encounter with Jesus and let Jesus change everything. See, the problem with people isn't their politics. It isn't their relationship status. It isn't their economic levels. It isn't their race. The problem that people have is that they're far from Jesus. And when they experience Jesus, everything changes. And we're passionate about Jesus because he is the answer to everyone's issues and he's the solution to everyone's problem. Fourth question is what? It's this question of what? You know, about 10 years ago, uh, I was laying in a hospital room at this place where the doctors thought I was going to die. They didn't know what was wrong with me. They couldn't figure it out. I just come back from a mission trip. They're doing all kinds of crazy tests. I remember I got a spinal tap and it felt good. That's how bad I felt. And I remember sitting in that bed. Looking to my future going, man, I wonder what could have been in my life. Thinking that my life was going to end there. then I kind of flipped the script and I started thinking about like what could have been if eight years earlier I walked into a church chasing a girl and I encountered a woman that just cared deeply for where I was they gave me a hug when she saw that there was this God that was just lost and searching. Her name was Jeanette Durstein, and she said, man, there's so much more for your life.
because she cared that I went home that night and I said, God, I don't really know all about this, but man, I'm going to surrender to you. And because she was willing to care what has transpired in my life from being a pastor at one of the fastest growing churches to moving to South Florida, knowing no one with my wife and us starting coastal and starting campuses and now building facilities and seeing lives transformed and seeing marriages restored and seeing people like Violet and her entire family come to know Jesus. Like what could have been if nobody would have told me? Like what could have been if that would have never happened? next verse, verses talk about greater things, and this is what I know. There's greater things in store for your life. There's greater things in store for my life, but there's greater things in store for the people's lives who do not yet know. Now think about Philip and Nathaniel. I think that for the next three years, they follow Jesus, and over that time, they see Jesus heal sick people. They see Jesus raise dead people from the grave. They see Jesus open blind eyes and deaf ears hear and demons get cast out. Just incredible, incredible miracles. And I, and I think that probably one night when all the disciples are starting to go to bed and Philip and Nathaniel are sitting next to the fire, then Nathaniel probably leans over to Philip and goes, thank you. Thank you for inviting me to come and see. I couldn't imagine what my life would be like without this encounter with God. And so the question for all of us today is, is what do you need to do? What do you need to do for your life? Maybe today is the day that you need to discover a relationship with Jesus. Not rules, not religion, but a relationship. Maybe today is the day that there are some people that, who you know that you need to tell. Maybe today is the day that you need to start serving some people and getting involved in their lives so that you can see the greater things come. I don't know what it is for you, but I know that God, the church that God sees, has you playing your part in it, making an impact.